0: this episode of Dig Me Out. This to me is in the post-pug vein of bands like At The Drive-In, The Refused, The I really,
1: really appreciate bands that know who they are and just are fine sticking with that formula. I'm fine with that.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I am your host, Tim Minnichi. Joining me once again Jason Ziak um, Jay we've been getting a lot of emails recently I forgot to bring that up on the last podcast you've got a lot of suggestions for future shows um, Yes, and actually I've plotted out the entire remainder of the year you go to our website and you go to the upcoming shows that's all of our shows for 2011 2011 right that's the year
1: yeah, yeah I, okay. I checked
0: it ends next we end next year 2012 is really. when shit goes down but 2011 and, uh,
1: if you guys keep tuning in hopefully we'll get renewed and uh, we'll be able to come back for 2012
0: yeah so make sure you call your networks and tell them that you want Dig Me Out back in 2012
1: support our sponsors
0: yes support uh, the various beers and liquors that we have mentioned by sending them to us and no, I, I brought that up because today and this was I'm saying today but it's actually be like two weeks ago I got an email and normally I'm able to find either info or I've sort of heard of some of the bands you know somebody will send five bands and I go okay well I've heard two of these or I, or I know the names but I got an email and I didn't know a single one of the band and I looked them <laughs> up and I couldn't find any info and I emailed the guy back and I was like Dude, you gotta help me out. Like I, don't, I can't find out any of the any information on these bands. Yeah, yeah. I, they're all foreign and Was this the
1: Australian guy?
0: No. This was somebody else. Oh. Okay. Australian guy sent us bands like Scream Theater and UMI. And I think we might get to one of those in twenty twelve. I put him I started working on the twenty twelve calendar. So uh, which reminds me uh, if you want to send us a suggestion for 2012 or beyond, send an email to podcast at gmail.com, and we will get to it hopefully before the mind calendar, ends. but I can't guarantee that. I just know it'll be after the crazy guy from the radio says the world's going to end in October when he said it was previously going to end. We're gonna. We're not gonna make that guy's deadline, but we'll, we'll. We will make the Mayan deadline. So that's a guarantee from us at Digging you
1: know, we've we've got that to look forward to.
0: Yes. But we've got a record to focus on here and, and now. And this was a suggestion by you, Jay, to review Quicksands, Manic Compression. Jay, how did you come yes. up? Yes.
1: How did that come up? come to this band
0: yeah i just had just briefly before i get into the history how did you find
1: uh them? it is pretty brief um i i, I remember them i believe from Headbangers ball or from uh whatever show replaced that i think they had a so at the tail end of Headbangers ball on mtv in the TV early 90s no no P R L they replaced it with another heavy heavy music show i think briefly okay i think they were playing uh this band and really dug it and always intended to get the albums because they have another album called slip that is, uh very similar to this one
0: but it slipped um, past you
1: they both slip past it's just one of those albums where you're like i liked it really intended to get it but every time it just never showed up and used bins and it just never, like, it's never happened. Right. So, um, actually within the last year or two, uh, Jason Maury, who I work with, was a big fan, and he has the albums already, and I'm like, you can't buy the CDs anymore. So, I got them from him, and, and, uh, and, uh, because, well, I'll let you get into that history, but basically I rediscovered the band after initially hearing them
0: when the album first came out we're all right that's jason's history now let's get into the band's history uh quicksand formed in new york city in 1990 by singer walter i'm going to screw up his last name shrifles or sharifles i don't know broke up in 95 reformed in 97 and then broke up again in 1999 original lineup was guitarist tom campone drummer alan cage who we previously mentioned on the seaweed podcast and bassist sergio vega they had all played in various new york city straight edge hardcore and experimental bands in the 1980s they so they formed in new york city in 90 after six weeks they recorded a four-track ep which they uh released on revelation records They did some club dates and tour dates with Helmet, Fugazi, Rage Against the Machine, Anthrax, and White Zombie in 91 and 92, which led to a record deal with Polydor Records. I guarantee Polydor Records is not around anymore. So add this to (laughs) is
1: Isn't that the label Spinal Tap was on?
0: (laughs) It probably was. They were on Poly something. Poly something, yeah. So they released Slip, the aforementioned Slip, in february of 1993 on polydor and they played 250 dates with the offspring in 1994 hmm. that's a, that's a lot of i mean that's a lot of shows here at forever for all time but to do it in one year
1: <laughs> right well I mean, that's basically like and you have to do it with the, the
0: offspring of so Oof. that's a lot of come out and play <laughs> poor bastards uh in '95, they released. This is January of '95. They released "Manic Compression" on Island Records. Records that reached number 135 on the Billboard 200 chart. And for some reason, they continued to tour with the Offspring. Apparently, the Offspring had some sort of incriminating evidence on them to, to keep them out on tour with them. Maybe they got along. I don't know. Then they joined the first Van's warp Tour but broke up in October of 95 due to internal conflict and stress from touring. I don't know if the stress from was from being on tour for that long or being on tour with the offspring for that long
1: and having to hear that uh, keep them separated song.
0: millionth time. Yep. So the lead singer Walter Schreifels, I'm just going to call him Shrifels because I don't know how to pronounce it, started World's Fastest Car and produced a Civ record um, guitarist Tom Campone formed Handsome with the members of Murphy's Law, Iceburn, and Helmet. And bassist Sergio Vega formed a band called Fully and then DJed and Alan Cage joined Seaweed. In summer of 97, the band got back together, played a reunion show the following February in 98 in Osaka for a small Japanese Wyan tour. In the August of that year, the band went to Stamford, Connecticut to record and uh let's see, they took a break in September to play some shows with the Deftones and Snapcase and then returned to the studio in the fall, but ended up breaking up again, and none of that music that was recorded in that during those sessions has ever been released. Walter Schreifels, or Schreifels, whatever, went on to form Rival Schools. Tom Campone uh, played in a band called Instruction. Uh, Sergio Vega filled in as touring bass player on some Deftones tours. And Alan Cage has since gone on after Seaweed to play with bands such as Enemy, New Idea Society, and 108. That is the history of Quicksand in a nutshell. Now, since you brought this album to me, Jay, I am going to start first. Because okay, because uh, you you bring you brought some interesting ones. You brought the seaweed album, which mm-hmm. to a bit of a disagreement, and um, this is an interesting one because I'd actually been I'm I'm actually a big fan of that handsome record. Um, came out. No mid '90s. I didn't really hear it then, but then I heard it probably seven or eight years ago, and I really like that album. And I'll just get to it. I really like this record, and I think the yeah, reason but
1: this, this blows the handsome record out out of the water.
0: Yeah, it does. And I think the reason why is, and I think the reason why I didn't like the seaweed record, but I I do like this record is this to me is in the post-punk of bands like At The Drive-In, The Refused, Bugazi, Criteria, Helmet, where they're using some elements of punk but they're completely turning that on its head and bringing in you know, progressive elements, bringing in metal elements. There is so much going on in so many of these songs and I'm, I don't want to Go back to the seaweed record too much but so much of what i didn't like about that record is what i absolutely love about this record um first of all the guitar playing is awesome on this record from song to song they are doing interesting stuff in terms of what they're not only what they're playing but the dynamics that they're playing around with um Mm -hmm. song two delusional there's a really cool picking part that's opposite of a lead, which is something you would never have heard on any sort of punk record, but on more straightforward hardcore or, uh, punk or, um, emo, they're doing things with that song, with, uh, riffs on songs like skinny, um, with the bass. um, messing around with harmonics on the uh, song 6 thorn in my side Really cool inventive stuff. The rhythm section's awesome. They're all over the place in terms of tempos and times, but they're like a machine. I mean, they're hitting those changes fast and hard. Uh, I loved in track three, there's a really cool dynamic that they pull where um, they pull the bass out for parts of the verse and just let the guitars and drums play together, and then the bass will come back in. Um, it's just, you know, it's one of those songwriting things that it's just about being a, a when and knowing when not to play and winning and knowing when to play and pulling things in and out. It goes for the guitars and the drums too, but I'm just playing kind of in that particular song. Really, I mean, I circled almost every song on this album as being, uh, you know, I want to listen to it again. and It makes me want to listen to the first album. I think I listened to this three times today. In, in getting ready to it ready for the podcast and I never got sick of it. I especially just love the opening track because it just it just hits you. I mean there's no like opening drum drum part or guitar riff or anything. It's just boom, you're into the song. And it's like a minute and forty seconds that first song. Yep. And that's what I loved about this record. It's twelve songs and it's thirty nine minutes.
1: All those songs are short.
0: Yeah, they're all fast. I think there's one song that's about 350. Everything else is blistering fast. and But they still pack a lot into those songs. Oh, God, yeah. And but, but. I was going to say, there is isn't an, an element of this band that I don't like. And I think it's because the thing that I was missing with the Seaweed record is I think there's a lot more personality to this band, both in terms of... The, what the lead singer's doing, what the guitar players are doing, and in terms of how the band as a whole is playing together. Uh, really bringing... Each of their individual parts are all very musical, but they are all lock, totally locked together. And you can hear everything. All,
1: they'll pay attention to each other. Exactly. A lot. Yeah. They're all playing off each other. There's nobody like just doing their own thing. Yes. They're all complementing and, and and playing off of one another which is the key to
0: a great band. Yes. Yeah um, so that's my um, well, rushing over.
1: To be fair to somebody like Seaweed I mean this band is I don't know if they're technically more proficient but they certainly are way more uh, willing to want sort of their musicianship, mm-hmm. um, which I think you and I appreciate. I think there are some people who are turned off by that kind of thing. Um, so I could kind of see some people. That's why I think what Seaweed is doing is just another flavor of this. But, you know, I mean, they're different, but they're still sort of in the same ballpark. They could tour together. I think there's some people that would be way more into the Seaweed thing because it's a little more straightforward. And I think there's, you know, I agree. I like this band a lot more than Seaweed. A lot of it has to do with just the musicianship, the craft, the the um, conciseness of the songs, the the really intricate interplay that happens between all the band members. It's sort of like um, like you said, it borders on at times progressive rock or metal, but without ever being pretentious or boring. You know, it sort of keeps everything concise enough that it keeps your attention and focus. Right. Uh, you know, it, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I I made mean, notes on this album, but I think I'm starting to realize the more and more episodes we do with this that the bands that I I really really lo- love, so like this is one of the albums, probably one of the best albums we've done so far, if not the best for me. I have the least to say about, <laughs> just because it becomes more and more difficult to articulate why you like it, because It just works. It just connects with you. Um, And I think that's one of the the things I'm starting to realize. I think some of the bands I don't like, it's very easy to write and write and write and really come up with tons of critique about why it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And for the ones that it does does work for you, it's just like magic. I mean, that's the point of music, right? I mean, it's like you find the right combination of things in the right moment and the right time and things come together and it just, boom, it connects with you, Um, which... Know, this album definitely does if i if i analyze it if i try to separate myself a little bit more which i i try to do um and really you know think about what are the strengths and weaknesses um certainly the songwriting is not you know what you would call like, super strong or pop oriented or hooky or commercial in any
0: way no definitely um, not
1: it's more about a band sort of playing off of each other and you know th- there's times when they kind of get to a chorus kind of feel on on, on on some parts i don't know that any of the songs have a straight up like oh yeah that's the chorus or you know, they're gonna walk away s- necessarily singing what he was singing um i think he does that way better in rival schools i was gonna ask really you about interesting that, yeah if you're a rival schools fan and you go back and listen to this stuff i think it even makes it more interesting because you know the singer is undeniable you know that it's him it's his voice is pretty recognizable the way he phrases the way he the way he sings um so it's uh i, I think it's also a testament to how how much how important a drummer is i think the drummer in this band is phenomenal mm-hmm. He sets up all of this to happen. Um, I think he creates the space for all this dynamic guitar work to, to occur. I think he creates the backbone um, and the timing and, and the tempo for all of this stuff to come together uh, naturally. Yeah, this
0: one of the he's in. Go ahead. I was gonna say one of the key tracks that really shows off his playing is um, track seven, Landmine Spring. a Mm halftime rhythm and really reminded me a lot of those early cursive records Mm -hmm. you know just allowing the you know the the drums are just holding it down the one thing that um, I caught on um, afterwards that we when we were listening to the failure record is that really good drummers keep a 16th note in there even when they're playing slow and that's what makes songs sound like there's a like a propulsiveness to them. Even when they're playing slow, there's still something going. Whether it's a hi hat, whether it's a you know a cymbal, or just sticks, or just some sort of a rhythm part. And when you go back and listen to that failure record, in almost every one of those songs, there is a sixteenth note going on the rhythm rhythm track, uh, whether it's drums or percussion or something, and it maintains. A sense of forward momentum and uh, Alan Cage does that a lot too where even on the songs where he's you know cutting it in half going from regular time to halftime or um, uh, Treks 12 is a little bit slower than the rest of the album but he maintains that 16th note and I actually gotta give credit to my wife Katie she pointed that out when we listened to the failure album he's like this drummer is really playing a lot of 16th notes and i was like what does that mean
1: (laughs) i loved how you came in as such an authority on this and then you you it turns into (laughs) what does that mean
0: well she's the music teacher and i'm the self-taught so i I have to mess up for you know when, when it's real when it's not real and i we appreciate your honesty yes uh that's, but the points not lost. But so the points not lost. That, it's a. That's what I'm finding, even more so than, you no, know, the tone of the what the drums sound like. It's is that guy keeping the momentum going forward even on the slow stuff. So that, I mean, obviously in some songs where there's no real rhythm section, it might be just guitar and vocal or whatnot. You're not going to have that. But you know when he's able to maintain. For lack of a better word, a groove that will like keep you going, keep you on track. So you're not hitting these like walls of dead space. Um, that's what keeps me interested, and I think that happens a lot, even on the Swerve Driver record, that there's always a, a propulsiveness to the uh, drums on that record.
1: Yeah, and and they know, and then good drummers know when not to play. So right, um, and and they, and they do things that are unexpected. So you brought up track seven, which is my favorite song on the album. And it starts off with this this riff, which I would kind of describe as maybe being anthemic, almost in the way that it sounds. It's, uh, it's kind of a major riff, and you could kind of hear it turning into kind of a hard rock, up-tempo hard rock song or something. And then the drums and bass come in, and they're like in halftime and doing something completely different than what you would expect. And the whole thing comes together beautifully. And it sort of has this major anthemic feel to it with the guitar, but then there's this dark, you know, plodding drum thing and bass thing that's super locked up and syncopated. And it just creates this really cool dynamic and everybody has their own space, yet they're all playing off each other, which is really cool. And the thing that another thing that the drummer does that I think is often by most people is going to be way underappreciated. He knows how to use symbols. Um, a lot of the stuff he's doing is he's using symbols, but he's not just like hammering on a crash symbol and you're in your, you know, in your head all the time. Right. He's actually using the ride as another drum. He's using the hi hat as another drum. He's adding accents in and extra beats. And I mean, to your point about the 16th notes, I mean, that's where that comes in.
0: Right. And in that um, sense that he sort of reminded me of the drummer from smile. Um, where I really I heard the cymbal playing as being intricate you know as a part of a part of that guy's I don't remember the drummer's name from Smile but I remember the cymbal playing being you know above above most drummers
1: he he uses his full kit I mean he's using everything he has but in a way where it's like not it's not all at once you know he finds the spot to do it and then it goes away and then it comes back later when he when he decides to get, place to use it a good example is song 12 where you know it is slower for for most of the song and you have space to do that kind of stuff It's, it's kind of orchestrated. It's not just yeah. playing the same thing over and over again. He's finding accents and listening to what everybody else in the band is doing, and and playing playing off of that, which is which is the whole point. Of being in a band, I mean, <laughs> and we know from doing it, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. You know, you sort of get locked in your own head, and you want to do your own thing, and um, you know, I really respect these guys that that they were able to do this, especially you know when you hear the history to say that. Obviously they didn't get along very well because they kept breaking up. Yeah. <laughs> but yet somehow they still, when they got in a room with instruments, you know, played
0: together really well.
1: Which is it's kind of kind of amazing.
0: Let me ask you, um I think this probably is obvious, but since we've already sung the praises enough, why, uh why wasn't this band <laughs> bigger? I guess it's probably genre related, but This came out in in 95.
1: Well, it certainly wasn't wasn't because they didn't get opportunities. I mean, if you toured with The Offspring at that time for that long, you got exposure. Right. Um, Like I said, I heard of them because they were on MTV. So at least for some time there, MTV was playing videos, and they were playing their videos. Um, I just don't think they had the songs. Um, I don't think they were that kind of band. Right. You know what? I compare them more to like a Jawbox, where it's it's not a band that's gonna be on the radio um, in any era. Uh, so I just don't think the songs, and when I say the songs, I mean not pop songs.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. They have the the songs are there from a you know interesting songwriting standpoint. It's just that the songs aren't there from a pop songwriting. Hmm.
2: Um.
0: Even. Uh, jay robbins from jawbox although he could write catchy melodies they were never pop songs right um so yeah i, I, I totally agree although one yeah. thing I,
1: I i really wish is um you know, listening to the album now i really wish somehow there's some miracle it could be remastered possibly even remixed um it's not horrible but it, i think they used a uh, a lot of compression on it, and the compression of that time is not was not great, so when he used that much of it, I think he'd lose a lot, um, it gets a little, uh, the dynamics aren't quite there, like the drums are, you know, the snare drum is always the same volume, and it's all kind of in your face all the time, it doesn't really have much space to it, and it sounds a little brittle at times, I think it could sound a lot better and fuller if it could be
0: remixed, but
1: I don't suppose that's gonna happen anytime soon unless
0: doesn't sound like it
1: unless the singer makes a ton of money from rival schools and can go back and get the masters and do it himself. but
0: <laughs> well hey if if the failure album can get re- released on you know whatever special vinyl that it got released on, not like that was a huge album and that came out on a, on a label that's gone. so this came out on a label that's gone and that wasn't an, this wasn't a huge seller, so why not? you can dream yeah.
1: Guitar wise, did you hear, um, hear some Soundgarden in there? It's just kind of with the uh, how they were using drop tuning and the harmonics, stuff like that?
0: Yeah, I, I can definitely see where you're getting at with the earlier. You know, yeah, uh, early Soundgarden. Like, modern Figure, pre um, Super Unknown, like, yeah, Louder Than Love era. There's definitely some of that heaviness. Um, I think one of the, you know, we brought up Seaweed before, one of the things that just makes them probably more musical is just that these were all guys who had been in a lot of bands, so they had, yeah. and they had all come together as sort of experienced players, you know, by choice, whereas, you know, a band like Seaweed, those were all very young guys. I think they had previously been in bands, but we're talking like high school, so you're not talking about playing the New York City you know, hardcore experimental scene. Which, by the way, now, this is another New York City band that you like.
1: That's really strange. I didn't know they were from New York City. Yeah. Damn it. What was the other one?
0: Uh... What was the other one? It was something we just reviewed recently.
1: It wasn't Band of Susans, I can tell you that.
0: No. Well, oh, maybe you brought up the fact that you didn't like them. Oh, Interpol.
1: Oh, well, yeah.
0: You like Interpol and Kiss? Those are the two New York (laughs) bands.
1: And Quicksand.
0: And Quicksand. So there's your bill: Quicksand, Interpol, Kiss.
1: More New York bands too. I like Degeneration and Destroy.
0: Oh, or Big Softy. Yeah, you're you're losing your edge.
1: I I will say I hopefully we'll get to to slip, but after listening to. The fact that we're already booked up through 2040, um, <laughs> you know, I would say Slip is very similar. I don't, you know, <laughs> this is a band that kind of knew who they were and they weren't uh, they weren't looking to to reinvent themselves on every album. So, well, that's what I, I read
0: um, in some of the comments. Yeah, sometimes I'll check out like Amazon and see what people who had bought the record have to say, and uh, a lot of people were like, "This sounds like Slip." I was like, "Oh." Maybe we should have maybe we should go with Slip first, but I'm okay with that. We'll get to Slip eventually.
1: Well, I had a hard time picking which album to do, um, so because they're they're so similar. And I think I don't know, maybe maybe uh, it's because we now have these huge music libraries because of digital music, so you can kind of have all your music available to you all the time. Um, I I really really appreciate bands that know who they are and just aren't are fine sticking with that formula i'm fine with that (laughs) like because you know when i want to hear quicksand i want to hear quicksand and if there were 40 quicksand albums i would listen like when i'm in the mood for that i'll listen to all 40 right you know what i mean um so maybe you know 20 years ago when you had cds and cassettes and music libraries were limited to how much physical space you had and um the expense of buying all that hard media maybe you wanted like bands to push limits a little bit more so when you put on an album and listen to the whole thing you got different varieties of music but in itunes where at the quick you know click of the mouse i can listen to any kind of music i really appreciate bands that do what they do really well and kind of stick to that and can make as many albums as they can manage in that style um i don't know i just have a way bigger appreciation for that now and this is a band that you know, it sucks that that third album didn't come out. I wonder if that's possible to get
0: any of that stuff anywhere. If it is, I will find it. I'll, I'll get the Bloodhounds out there and we will track it down. If, it, if we can get it, we'll be reviewing it in 2025. So but I think that we have some openings then. Not sure uh i think that's it i think we've covered quicksand i think uh you you brought a good one to me and i appreciate that and uh hopefully i'll return the finally yeah most of your picks have sucked (sighs)
1: apparently god you're so picky
0: you brought the smile record i liked i love the smile record
1: but i brought gaunt you you didn't like gaunt
0: i was lukewarm on it Uh, even even the people who liked gaunt said you should go back and listen to the earlier gaunt that's better i
1: have they're not as good as that album
0: Wow! See now, you just pissed off one of our listeners. Sorry,
1: I've been listening to the older stuff. Nothing grabs me
0: like the album that we reviewed. You're blowing it, dude! You totally blow. You're losing <laughs> I our cred. Blew my. I just.
1: Blew, I blew my streak right a long time ago.
0: Yeah. You're gonna start <laughs> praising the Letters to Cleo album that came out.
1: I think I've I've already praised uh, praise somebody horrible. Silver Chair, maybe? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I kind of yes. like that last Silver Jail album. I'm not gonna lie. What is that? Young Modern.
1: I never heard that.
0: Yeah, it has some interesting songs on it. I'm not gonna lie. It's got some good stuff. I, g- I think I gave it to you. I have to check that out. I'll, I'll, I don't I'll, think so. Alright, well, you've, you've been you can look and see.
1: Hey, I just thought of a 90s band that we should review. Oh, what? Um. You remember the band Radish
0: Uh, I know the name yeah but
1: I couldn't singer tell you was in that that band with Ben Folds and um, um, the, the bands he went on to be in that band oh is he it... was
0: the singer in Radish Quiller? huh is it Ben Queller
1: yeah okay he was like some kind of like childhood prodigy type or something that
0: was noise addict
1: no where's
0: Radish Okay. He had like red hair
1: and like crazy red hair. I remember seeing him play on, I think, Letterman in the '90s. Okay. And he was like maybe 17 or 18 or something, and he was. It, 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 you, when you talked about Silverchair, you reminded me of them because I think they were a three-piece, and he was really young, and he played guitar and sang. The Australian. Uh, he may have been. I don't know.
0: Maybe New Zealand.
1: No. They don't make any music in New Zealand.
0: Yeah, they do. It involves splutes.
1: It's too wild there. Yeah. Hell comes up from the Earth.
0: From the Middle Earth. And on that note, we're going to wrap this up. As we approach Lord of the Rings territory. Um, please visit our, visit our website. Uh, click the links to purchase this album, whether it be in digital or digital uh, analog form is such a thing buy the vinyl no. for this
1: i don't think so i don't think so
0: so get go we'll get some mp3s off of amazon or itunes or something like that I'm Sure am sure this is on itunes gotta be it's on Polydor. Polydor is a huge record label
1: <laughs> that's a good question man i don't know
0: this might be one of the ones that's hard to get Fortunately, i'm sure if you google it You'll be able to find it. Put it that way.
1: But if you find it, you'll post a link to the blog post.
0: I will. And that's it. On that note, we're going to head out. Actually,
1: I'm looking on iTunes right now. Hold on.
0: Oh, you are? Okay, well, I'm going to hit pause. It is on there?
1: iTunes has slip, manic compression, and an EP called quicksand
0: yeah that's the original four song EP do you have that EP I I do not there you go buy it download it listen to it take part in the wonder known as the internet
1: they call the uh the other albums wildly compressed rock EP's a lot more hardcore
0: oh okay well
1: but I will check it out
0: that should be a new uh, genre of music wildly compressed rock
1: I think they're referring to the production, but yeah, yes.
0: All right, we're done. Getting out of here. Thanks again, Jay, for joining me. We'll be back. Coming up, we're going to have a lot of listener reviews, so I think we've got eight coming up over the next couple months. So be ready, your review, your album that you suggested, you listening out there, you might hear a review of it. And you can find that on our upcoming shows page, so that I'm not being too mysterious about it. And uh, want to thank everybody for suggesting those. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Digging Out. Visit digmeoutpodcast.com for links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed.